0: Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly Podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com slash giving. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. I, I like that line. Jody, the, the see your smiling masked faces. That was that was cute. So uh It's a joy to be here. My wife, Karen, and I uh, want you to know that uh, Jesus is not finished with you. You say, well, yeah, we already knew that. Well, I think it's important to be reminded that Jesus is not finished with you. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, three or four weeks ago when my wife said, you know, honey, I really love you, it doesn't preclude the fact that I really like to hear it today. Jesus said a long time ago, I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. I just like to be His voice from time to time and look at the people of God, like you, people of various ages, various backgrounds, various histories, but you all come together in one point, and that is at the cross where Jesus transformed your life, and He's transforming your life, and to say to us in this room, He is not finished with us. He is not ready for us to to coast. He is ready for us to figure out what are the next steps and then to take them with faith, with expectation in Him, the unchanging God. So it's a joy to be with you today and Pastor Mike, thanks for the opportunity. We will be conducting at the end of this message a ceremonial installation service, a pastoral leadership affirmation moment. And uh, we will be exchanging vows, uh, them with you and their board and, and the board with them and you and all of us together. And so I'm looking forward to us simply affirming again that we are in this thing for the long haul. How many of you ever watched and enjoyed the uh, American Idol, the, the the singing show? The first two or three weeks were hilarious where, you know, they'd have everybody that their grandmother hated on there. You say, what do you mean their grandmother must have hated them? Because they sing and they sound like the wrath of God has hit their lungs. And, and they say, well, Grandma says I can sing. I'm thinking, that Grandma doesn't love you, boy. She, she'd have told you the truth if she loved you. She wouldn't have let you been made a laughing stock. But the reason I ask you if you've noticed it, the last few years, uh, uh, one of the judges, he would say to the ones who really knocked it out of the park, he'd say, they are in it to win it. I pray that this church, that you and I, In this life, as long as we have breath in these bodies and capacity to think and be aware of someone besides ourselves, I hope we will say, I'm in it to win it. I'm in this thing with Jesus, and Jesus is in it to win it. So I'm excited to share the word. You may need to uh, take a few moments if you need to look in the uh, index of your Bible. One of the latter chapters or the latter books of the Old Testament is a book called Haggai. Some call it Haggai. Some call it Haggai. So whatever you call this guy, uh, we're going to preach from that place today. As you're getting there, I I know that uh, you receive... A steady diet of the Word of God. This is a pastor who uh, believes in the efficacy of the Word of God. God's Word does not return void. It accomplishes what it's set out to do. And so everyone that he ever has that will preach in this place will be people of his heart that says... I am committed to the Word of God, because the Word of God is not just a book of suggestions. It really is the best rule for life and faith. I trust that you are building your life on the foundation of the Word of God. Now, let me just remind you, the Bible doesn't tell us everything there is to know about God, but it tells us everything we need to know about God the bible is revelation but so was the sunrise this morning revealing something beyond ourselves and the bible tells us who that something or someone is two passages i just want to reference one and then we'll get to haggai luke 961 jesus uh, is uh, speaking another said uh, i will follow you lord but let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Verse 62 of Luke 9, Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus wants us to finish what we started. Finish what we started. Now, It was a different group of people, some close to 100 years ago when Topeka First Assembly launched. As I look at you, I I am confident that there's not one of you uh, who were a charter member unless you were like a baby in arms, and uh, uh, and you wouldn't have been able to hold the pen to sign the original charter. Maybe your parents or grandparents were were charter members. All I know is this: when this church was started, Pastor Mike and Jody, it was a simpler time. It was a, back then. The worst you could expect for a disciplinary issue in most schools, at least most schools in Kansas, the worst you could expect was someone chewing gum when they weren't supposed to. Now we have to have metal detectors to pick up knives and guns. When this was started, cell phones were not an issue internet. Well, Al Gore hadn't figured that out yet. Space travel was science fiction. But it's commonplace today. When I was a kid, if there was going to be a rocket launch, we all gathered around the TV to watch it happen. Today, there's a rocket launch and nobody knows and nobody cares. Space travel, science fiction. When this church was launched, Islamic terrorism was not in the vocabulary. And for sure, school shootings and church shootings were not in the vocabulary. When this church was launched, family and church activities held priority over school activities and sports activities. But it's a, it's a different day. And when this church was launched, the Bible provided a general compass for the majority of Americans. Even people who weren't followers of Jesus would know, more or less, if a presidential candidate was quoting a scripture right or wrong. The majority of people in America back then would recognize that if you said Jonah swallowed the whale, they would say, you won't trick me, I heard what you said, the whale swallowed Jonah. If they say Moses built the ark, they would say, no, 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 it was a guy named Noah once they picked up on the the fact that you had said Moses instead of Noah. It was a different culture when this church, when your forerunners, your forefathers and Mothers launched Topeka First Assembly of God. You see, the early days of this church, the the kingdom project that this church was launched to accomplish was that we are orbiting around making sure that friends and relatives and associates and neighbors, we we launched this church. We. No, I didn't. But the people who launched this church launched it saying, I want to make sure that my friends are saved. I mean really saved. I want to make sure that my friends are not just going to a church, but they're going to a church that preaches that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And if they weren't, we found ourselves concerned. And in church services back in the day, when there were prayer requests, people would say, pray for my friend Bill. I work with Bill, and Bill, he's attending a church, but it doesn't preach the Bible, and Bill is lost without Jesus. I don't want Bill to die and go to hell. Will you pray? Help me pray for Bill to come into the kingdom of God. I've been traveling the state, Pastor Mike, for... The better part of 26 years and uh, in those churches that I still go where they happen to occasionally receive prayer requests, I rarely, if ever, hear someone say, would you pray for me? Help me pray for Jan. She's my cousin. She's a relative of mine. Or I've got an associate that I work with. I've got a neighbor that, that I'm, I'm working on my neighbor, but but oh, she's, she's lost and, and uh, she... She is just, she's in a mess, and, and Jesus loves messes. He loves my neighbor, but, but would you help me pray for her to come to you? I rarely hear requests like that. It's not a criticism, it's an observation, and if we want to finish what our forebearers started, if I want to finish well what my forebearers started, then I have to be, I get to be one of those people who, who is driven to make sure that Fran... F-R-A-N, that my friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors, that they're high upon my prayer list, and that I'm not just praying, Lord, please help them to, to kill their dog so it doesn't bark so late at night and keep me awake. Now I'm not for late night barking dogs either. But people need the Lord. There are churches that call themselves churches that do not preach the unadulterated Word of God. But our forebears, your forebears, and mine wanted people to be saved. I mean, really saved. They wanted them. Once they got saved, they wanted them to be baptized in water. They weren't. They weren't going to sit back and say, "Well, don't worry about it." When you're finally ready to obey Jesus and give your life totally to Him, then get water baptized. They were saying, "Hey, if you're if you're serious about this thing, you need to get in the tank." or if they didn't have a tank in the earliest days probably didn't, you need to go down to the river with the preacher. We're going to have water baptism service, and you need to get in there and declare with your life that you are following Jesus. You're not turning back. You're dying. When you go down, you're dying to yourself, and when you're raised up, you're saying, I'm living a new life. I'm not about the old man. I'm about the new man. If any man be or any woman be in Christ, they're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Our Forebears said it's really important that you get saved really saved it's important that you get baptized in water I mean that it mattered to you that it's not some cutesy thing we do with the child but it's something that a person who knows Jesus is their only hope that he's their relationship thread to the father that they say I'm following Jesus the earliest days they said, we want you baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now back then they didn't say Spirit, they'd say the Holy Ghost. We want you to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. We want you to be baptized in the Spirit of God. We, we want you to experience power for witness, power to overcome sin, power over devils. Listen, just because it's 2021 20, doesn't mean that the demons of hell no longer roam the streets of this county. Now we may not see people with bones through their nose and and witchcraft clubs walking around in grass dresses and chanting in some language that we don't understand, but you don't have to be a witch doctor in Ouagadougou, West Africa to be demon-possessed. I would suggest to you that there are multiple men and women living in high dollar homes, driving high dollar cars, and they are possessed of the devil because they have never looked to Jesus. Maybe their head doesn't turn around and around. Maybe they don't spit green puke across a room at a priest that is uh, shaking holy water at them. Maybe they don't manifest those kind of scary things like Hollywood might try to produce and project as if that's what demon possession looked like. But I'm telling you, if Jesus is not the Lord of my friends, my friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors, if Jesus is not their Lord, I promise you they are full of something. And the only thing God designed humans to be full of is himself. He wants to flood us. So our forebears started something in Topeka, Kansas, almost a hundred years or so ago. You see, our forebears lived with the arrows of their life facing out. Arrows of direction didn't point in. They weren't Prone to show up at church and say, Pastor Mike and Jody, just see if you can move me. They didn't sit back and, like the Russian judge at the diving contest, raise up after the sermon. That was a seven. He can do better. Sister Jody, is did you just raise a seven on me? Is that what you just <laughs> she didn't, I'm teasing. But <clears throat> But they instead, the arrows were out. Again, they came saying, I'm here to worship Jesus. I'm here to grow in Jesus. And it's not just to grow so I can grow and say, ooh, this January 1, I'm a little closer to Jesus than I was last January 1. It was about how can my my life reflect Jesus into a broken, hurting, demonized world? So today as we install your new pastor, we must confirm that we will orbit around finishing this original kingdom project that launched First Assembly of God. Commit to making this county one of the easiest counties in Kansas for people to experience the presence and forgiveness of Jesus. I I would love for this of real estate to become known as one of the easiest places in Topeka for people to experience the presence and forgiveness of Jesus. I, I would love for your living room and mine to become known as one of the easiest places in the neighborhood for people to experience the love and forgiveness of Jesus. Well, hey guy, chapter one, the first 15 verses. Now, before I read this, this much we know about this writer. He was probably in his late 70s when he shows up and interacts, and you can read just two chapters. So, this afternoon, before or after, are the Chiefs playing today? Yes, they are. So, today, before or after, Mahomes does whatever Mahomes will do. If they lose, don't lose your salvation. It's a game. I mean, I hope they win because I kind of like, you know, KCGI. It's all fun, But it's, it's a game. I have, I have, I've been in Kansas all these years. I still mess up sometimes and call K-State K-U. And I sometimes call K-U K-State. Sometimes I talk to someone who's wearing a Jayhawk hat and I say how cool the school at Manhattan is, you know, it's, I mean, I've just, and you would think, I've said it to some Christians, and you'd have thought I blasphemed the Holy Spirit. It's just a game. But after the game or before the game, read those two little chapters, and I think you'll, you'll find it all intriguing. But he was probably in his late 70s. He had seen some hard times. As a young man, he had been deported, forced out of his home, forced to adjust to a strange new culture. He had lived through several regime changes and to get back to Jerusalem to do this interaction we're about to read about, he had walked hundreds of miles to get back to the homeland of his youth. Any of us above 60 thinking about walking hundreds of miles, how many of you, I've, our oldest son is training for a, uh, an Iron Man. If you want to know what that is, just look it up under the word Insane. Hundreds of miles. And his prophetic ministry stands unique in the Old Testament because the people of God listened to him and actually obeyed God. It's wonderful. So Haggai provides this about finishing what we started. Verse 1. You've been sitting a while. Would you mind standing? Just to give, and if you don't want to adjust your position, you don't have to. But uh, just to adjust your position, in the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, which would have been August 29th of 520 BC, in the second year of King Darius, on the first month of the sixth, first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua. It's not the guy at Jericho, but Joshua, the son of Jozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time is not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house, the temple, remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. All, what he's meaning is do an unbiased analysis of the situation in which you live. See the frog in the kettle as if it's you. That's what he's saying. And if you don't know what the frog in the kettle is, I'm sorry. For those of you that actually don't, if you put a frog which is cold-blooded in a warm pan of water and, and it's boiling, it will jump out. But if the pan is not boiling, it's just warm water, and you turn the heat up a little at a time until it is boiling, the frog will never jump out. It will boil to death. Things change around us. And he is saying to them, Consider your ways. Don't be the frog in the kettle. Verse 6, You have planted much but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Here it is again. Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful analysis to what you're doing. Go up to the mountain, bring down timber, and build my house house, build my house, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Verse 9, you expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty. Why did I do it? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy. Everybody say the word busy. Busy with your own house. Therefore, because... Of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains and on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces on people. I called for a drought on livestock and on all the labor of your hands. It's serious business, isn't it? Then Zerubbabel, then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Jazadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. They obeyed the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Verse 13, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger gave this message of the Lord to the people, I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred Up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. Father, by your Holy Spirit and by the strength of the presence, the spirit of your Son we cry out speak to us today i pray that you would allow this message to add to what pastor mike is already teaching what he and pastor jody are already saying and that this would add to the rising of the level of the water of your presence, and that this would move us a little closer to fulfilling what our forebearers started, to finishing what they started. Help us, Lord, as we consider these truths in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It's not a surprise to you that only 8% of Americans follow through to completion what they make as New Year's resolutions, only 8%. According to Fast Company, they gave five basic reasons that we don't follow through on many of our decisions. One, we're not honest about what we really want to accomplish. Two, we are not clear on the sacrifices that are required for it. I never have understood why when I set a goal to lose weight and I eat seven Milky Way candy bars a day, I just I don't understand why I have to give those up. Three, we don't create a clear system for success before we begin. Four, we set no clear deadlines for the specific steps required. And five, we don't reward ourselves for the progress that we did make. Why don't we finish what we started? You see, we aren't that different from the Israelis of 2,600 years ago. They didn't follow through, and sometimes we don't follow through. Sometimes, I can tell you for sure, I don't follow through. The returning Jews coming back from Babylon, they had begun to rebuild the temple and they had great intentions, but they lost heart, Pastor, when the the opposition began to raise its head and they began to get threatened. And so they just turned down their efforts and allowed the temple to stand as a ruin. Follow through presents a challenge for so many of us. But I know this, Jesus has never dropped the ball. How many of you have ever dropped a ball? Yeah, yeah. How many of you that won't raise your hand have a problem with lying? Okay. Here's the truth. Effective disciples keep working at follow through. It's not about perfection. It's about pursuit. I love that phrase. I wish I had come up with it myself. At times, like in Haggai, we need a wake-up call. So first, let me give you this as his wake-up call. God often influences life circumstances to get our attention. In December of 2017, we were gathered in Ottawa, Kansas, where our second son serves as the pastor of that great assembly. And we were there for Christmas, and his sister and her husband and family were there and his oldest brother from Lufkin was there and his family and, and we were gathered to just celebrate Jesus and Christmas and we were gathered to have time together. Well, About the second day there, I woke up one morning and was so filled with pain that I could barely get out of bed. I got out of bed, made it through the day, but if I got in a car trying to get out, when I would get out, I I would be walking like this, and it would take me about 10 or 15 steps before I could finally get stood up, and the pain was was significant and growing. And so we began to pray for me. We, we believed that we always want to look to Jesus first and, and uh, didn't want to just quickly run to the doctor. Now, if you have sliced your fingers off, uh, pray as you run to the doctor. All right. But if it's just if it's just an ailment and you don't know what's going on, give it a little time. Look to Jesus. He may want to just do something miraculous. And, and so we were looking to him for a miraculous intervention. But uh, by the time, the, I think it was about the fourth day, uh, I was in such pain. We had to cut our time with our family about two days short. And we got home and, and I met With my doctor, my wife was with me. By this point, I wasn't able to drive the pain. I've never had uh, had knives stabbed into my joints, so I really don't know what that feels like. But uh, what I imagine it would feel like is what it was feeling like in my hips, in my shoulders, all up and down my back. I was in misery. It started that day with my doctor, started about a a two-and-a-half, three-month journey of trying to diagnose what on earth was causing me such pain. I was hurting so much that at night, Karen had to help me get my clothes off, had to help me get pajamas on. She would help me lay down on the bed. If I moved very fast, it felt like I was in a torture chamber she would cover me up because even to reach down slowly and pull a light sheet up over me, it felt like someone was stabbing hot searing knives into my joints. I was crying. I thought I was going to die. Then I was afraid I wouldn't because pain was so bad, uh, dying would have felt like a relief. Every time my wife would take me to another doctor appointment, they would say, uh, well, we don't know what it is, but it isn't this. They sent me to have a sonogram and I followed the address pulled up in front of this building and it was a women's clinic and I walked in and it was a room about the size of well it was tiny about the size of this piano and uh, there were about seven pregnant women and me and all of those women were looking at me when I said to the receptionist I'm Terry Yancey and I have an appointment (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I looked at them and I said, it's, it's a miracle. I don't know what to tell you. And uh, then I moved to a corner and stayed very quiet because I do know that you don't want to push pregnant women too far. They called me back. They checked me out and the doctor said, Terry, I, I don't know what it is, but at least we know it isn't this. My oldest brother died in June of 15 with pancreatic cancer. So our minds were playing tricks on us. We were concerned. We didn't know what was happening. So a very long story short, we were finally uh, brought to a neurologist. He diagnosed me with uh, rheumatoid arthritis and uh, he said, I can help you with this. Gave me a shot and gave me a prescription. And I began to take those pills faithfully every day. After a year, uh, I asked, I said, you you think it'd be all right if maybe I I cut back? He said, well, if you want to, I'll let you. But he said, uh, Terry, don't get your hopes up. Uh, Rheumatoid arthritis, uh, it's not curable. You're going to have this for the rest of your life. I said, well, that's okay, but it's okay if if it starts hurting again. He said, go back to your full dose. And so um, I was going quarterly to see him, and on my next quarterly visit, uh, same thing. And then the next quarterly visit, I said, you know, Doc, would it be okay uh, if I quit taking these? He said, I wanted to talk to you about that today, Terry. He said, I typically am putting 60-year-old men on medicine. I'm not taking them off. But he slid back in his chair and he said, pointed at a screen, he said, Terry, your blood work is perfect. Terry, your blood work is perfect. So, don't, don't take it. Well, finish out the, the, the pills you have, but don't take any more after that. If you start hurting, start taking them again. That was in September of 19. I've, I didn't take one since. And I've been healthy and fine. Now, now, and I'm thanking God for that. But I And I say it for two reasons. One is to give glory to Jesus for healing me, but second, to try to debunk something that people on a fairly regular basis say, and it puts a sad, ugly shadow across our God. They say things like, well, I guess God's just trying to tell me something. Now, I wasn't the best dad in the world, but there wasn't one time that I slapped one of my kids and knocked him in the ground and said, you know what I'm trying to teach you? No, Daddy, what? You'll get it eventually. I'm trying to teach you something. here. But what, Daddy? You'll get it. I'm a good God. No. If God wants to teach you something, he's a good father. He's not going to expect you to know how to work high-minded algebra and not show you how to work high-minded. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So if God wants to get your attention, he is not only able to do it, but he will say, hey, I'm doing this for this particular reason. Why would I tell you that? Because Haggai says, you guys, have you considered your ways? God has messed up your economy. He's causing it so every bit of money you earn, you put it in a bag as if it has holes in it. It's not working for you because God has put a drought so that you would stop running your life your way and start living by the priorities He sets and finish what you started. Finish what you started. Revelation 2, verse 4, Jesus said, I have this against you, you've left your first love. Oh, church, first assembly, Topeka, Kansas. I'm enough of a historian of the churches of Kansas to know what kind of powerful men and women of God this church has produced. I can point you to some historic giants of the faith, and I rejoice about them, but hear me. You have not yet produced the giants that God wants to produce. Pastor Mike and Jody, you have stepped into the lead here to take the front row seat and say, we're going to raise up another generation that is powerful in God. Our best days are ahead. And when this pastor and his wife say that to you, please don't say, hey, look, you're not talking to a 34-year-old anymore. Say, I'm believing God. I think I I read somewhere, maybe you read it in the same book, that he will renew the youth of the older ones. He would renew it like the eagles. You are destined to soar. Sister Joanne, you're almost, you're 81. You're two years younger than my mama. You drove yourself here. You've got a good mind. My mama is in dementia uh, has dementia is in a nursing home. We talked about that, and I so enjoyed our visit, by the way. But you're not beyond an age where Jesus can use your hands. They don't look as young as they used to. I know that. Your hair is a different color than it was when you moved here to Topeka those years ago. But I'm telling you, those hands at the end of your arms are hands that can be anointed, hands that can bring hope, and your life can bring healing to people that need Jesus. And I'm not only talking to Joanne, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you, sir, those canes I see you guys holding. No, you don't have to still be able to jump up and do that. But Jesus wants to keep using you. You are never too old to be a solution to brokenness and people's needs. So if God needs your attention, He won't rough you up and ask you to guess, but He sent me here today to perhaps ruffle you a little bit and say, believe God for more on this pastoral installation Sunday. Pastor I charge you in the name of Jesus, stir them up, stir them up like you've been doing and see this place move to levels that has never been imagined. never. Imagined until now. Number two. Without fail, our choices create consequences, both seen and unseen. Our choices have consequences. We were maybe was it three years ago that we were driving west and headed into Ford, wasn't three, Maybe four years ago, I don't know. But it was wintertime because the sun goes down so stinking early in the winter, and, and uh, so it probably wasn't more than about 6.30 in the evening, but it was dark as midnight, and uh, uh, everybody's headlights are on, and, and if you know Kansas, there's a, uh, a little town called Ford that's about 20 miles before you get to Dodge City. And so coming into Ford, uh, there's one of those rare curves in the road, and you enter into the town. Well, as I'm approaching it, driving my car, my wife's over here, and I'm just driving and trying to be a good citizen, and, and I meet a string of cars coming out of Ford, Kansas. There are seven or eight cars. You say, well, we live in Topeka. Seven or eight cars is not a string. You don't know Ford, Kansas. So there was this near traffic jam in Ford, Kansas, and as I was approaching that lead car of those seven or eight cars had its lights on bright. Now, if you're like me, uh, you assume people just, you know, they, they've been absent-minded and they don't have one of those uh, uh, high-dollar cars that automatically dims its lights, and so you, you want to help them. Anybody ever done that? You just tap-tap, you know, you, you don't just turn them on and try to blind your oncoming friend. You tap-tap you and, and they, they dim them and, and everybody's happy. Everything's good in the kingdom, right? well, that guy didn't dim his lights. I tapped again. He didn't dim his lights. And by the time he was real close, I was bl- I just put him on bright and said, see there. <laughs> Got past him, turned him to dim. Got past the seventh car that did a U-turn in the road and turned into a Christmas tree. Blue and white lights. Blue and red. I said, oh, Karen said. <laughs> I won't tell you what Karen said. Nothing ugly, but she was right. So I pull over, and this sheriff's deputy that just barely able to shave steps up to my window, and he says, Sir, do you know why I pulled you over? I said, Yeah, I'm sure I do. I said, I, I bright lighted that front guy. Sir, why'd you do that? I said, Well, he had them on bright, and when I tapped, he, he didn't lower his beam. and So I just put him on bright. And he said, Pastor Mike, I was so glad that I didn't have reverend on my driver's license. (laughs) Oh, so thankful. I mean, I, I wanted to just crawl in a hole and die. He said, well, sir, wait for it. It's good. He says, he says to the Assemblies of God superintendent in Kansas. He says to a guy who's earned his doctor of ministry, ministry degree. He says, sir, you know. Two wrongs, don't make a right. I said, You know, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I've not done that since. Well, I mean, I've tapped the lights to tell somebody, but I've not bright lighted them. I never know where that young sheriff's deputy might be. But also, the Lord did a work in my heart. You see, choices have consequences. Choices. Choosing to finish what we started for him has a huge consequence, and choosing to not finish has a monumental, devastating consequence. Number three, we will follow through more consistently. I'll just give you a couple of the thoughts I have under this. We will follow through more consistently once we decide who sets our life priorities and governs our choices. The first verse, let me just, just read that first verse to us again. Uh, it says, in the second year, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to these people. The word of the Lord came. What is it that you and I will, will allow to govern our choices, especially the choices about what we want our church family to? accomplish while you and I still draw breath into our lungs? What do we want to happen? Who will decide what governs our choices? I'm not much of a mathematician at all, I'm not a scientist, but I've done a lot of reading and Pastor Mike in the, in the dark ages, the, the church that controlled Europe, which was the Catholic Church. Their theological position was that the earth, and they based it on some misinterpreted scriptures, their theological position was that the earth was the center of the solar system and that the sun orbited the earth. It wasn't the other way around, that the sun is... Now, mathematics have taught us and... and. Uh, uh, all of the uh, many other sciences have, have taught us that the sun is the center of our solar system because it has such powerful mass that it creates this gravitational pull and everything that's orbiting around it orbits that way because of the the gravitational capacity of the sun are you with me all right and so if if the theological position had been right if the earth was at the center the earth doesn't have enough Mass doesn't create enough gravitational pull to keep everything moving properly around it. The, the moon, yes, but nothing else. And so so we need to understand that if we want our life to orbit properly, if we want our church to orbit properly, then we must put His will, His desires, His presence at the center of everything we do. On Tuesday when you're doing your great community ministry, listen, it's Jesus through you that will make a difference in those lives. Let When you show up and you're there to, to help, maybe just, just a simple job, maybe nobody will even talk to you, or maybe you won't get to talk to anybody else, but if you come pray, to, listen, prayer and fast fasting can change the world. Come prayed up. Come ready. Not us at the center. When I'm at the center, I create chaos and collisions. But when Jesus is at the center, it's amazing how many things can spin properly. You getting anything out of that? That help? We'll follow through more consistently when we leverage community. Verse 14 and 15, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, and son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah. And he stirred up the spirit of Joshua, the high priest. And he stirred up the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord. They came. It, 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 there was no... Lone Ranger. There was no individuality in what they did to complete that work on the temple. They, they came together. Now, I'm not suggesting that we all don't need to have our own private times of devotion and, and seeking God and waiting before the Lord. We have, of course, that almost goes without saying. But there is something tremendously valuable. Vi- Listen, one of the greatest challenges that COVID-19 has created is the challenge of isolation. The challenge of isolation. Jesus has not turned his back on us. He wants us to be together. Now, until we can do it safely, obviously, the masks and social distance and all of that stuff. Okay, we're, we're going to work with that. But Jesus wants us to, to fulfill or finish what we started in community. Whether it's a small group, whether it's just some some buddies that like to uh, take a walk together, but before you take your walk around the lake, you say, what's Jesus been saying to you? You read a scripture, you pray for one another, and off you go and do what you're doing. Whatever it is, God wants us to leverage community. Did you read lately in Second Corinthians where it says, bad company corrupts good morals? Well if that's true, bad company corrupts good morals, what happens if we keep good company? What if, what if five of us are godly men and we are doing X, whatever X, maybe, you're, maybe you like to go to a local lake here and, and, and uh, drown worms trying to f- catch fish, and, and, uh, but if there's five of you and you're all godly and love Jesus, what about, what about that old reprobate that lives four houses down that has no interest in God, but he does like to fish, invite him to go with you. Bad company will corrupt good morals. But he's the one now in good company. What might that do? Jesus kept company with people who were not godly people. But he and his disciples created a context and in that context, people's lives changed as they put their trust in Jesus. So connect to a group, a Sunday school class. It will help anyone finish well. Here's a Profound theological truth put in, in very common, easy terms. It's important to be together. Have you ever noticed when you buy a bunch of six bananas or four bananas that the one you take off first, the one that gets separated from the bunch, is the first one to get eaten? If you, lie, if you try to live separate from a community of faith, good company, if you try to live separate, you'll be the first one eaten. God wants more for you than that. Well, I'll wrap up with this. Obedience carries an assurance of God's presence. The shortest standalone prophetic message in the Bible is in Haggai 1, where God said through Haggai, I am with you. Pastor Mike and Jody, I think you need to hear that from the Lord today. He says, I am with you. And he says to speak of First Assembly, I am with you. He's not turning his back. He's not looking for something that uh, has a little more shine and polish. He's looking at you, he's looking at your location, he's looking at your buildings, and he says, I see all of that, but he says, I can work through you, whatever your buildings look like, whatever your location happens to be. I can, oh, you have to sit distance from one another. On, so I can work with you. You have to wear masks when it's time to come in the building. I can work with you. Well, you're not as young as a congregation as, as you used to. I can work with you. We don't have as much money as you. I, I can work with you. We read this past week in one of our devotions or heard one of the uh, a devotion on that uh, by his riches, he will supply all your needs by his riches in glory. His riches are in glory. His riches are with him. His riches are in his presence. I don't know what your bank account looks like. I don't know if you have a million dollars or you have just whatever the government check says when it shows up in your bank Uh this coming payday, but I'm telling you, your riches are not in the U.S. government. My riches are not in our retirement nest egg. My riches, Karen's riches, are in the riches of His glory. In glory. In the presence of God. That's your riches. So if you need to do something for the kingdom of God, you've got the money to do it. Why? Because He has it. You need not. You need not worry about whether He'll supply or not. He will pay for what he orders. We're going to have lunch with the Swinsons later today, and I promise you, wherever we go, we're not going to dine and dash. Why? We told the Swinsons we wanted to take them out, and it's our treat. I don't dine and dash. I order what I pay for. I pay for what I order. I'll say it right. I pay for what I order. How many of you know that this God that called this church to finish this Great Commission task in this county... He has ordered it. You think he won't pay? You think he's a dine and dash kind of guy? No, he will pay for what he ordered. Don't give up. Obedience carries an assurance of his presence. Just before I was diagnosed with the RA, I had to go through a, about a three-hour ordeal and an MRI and the first 30 minutes, I like to have gone berserk. It was so hard. Number one, just to lay on my back with my hands crossed. It was so painful. But also, I, I didn't know what time it was. I didn't know if 10 minutes had gone by or if 29 minutes had gone by. And when the 30 minutes was finally up and the practitioner pulled me out, I said, would you, would you just do me a favor? Because I had these headphones on and I, I could listen to music or something, and, but, but it didn't help. And I said, uh, Uh, about every 10 minutes just at equal sequences, would you just say, Terry, you're doing okay. You have X minutes to go. She said, well, well, sure, I can do that. i was so thankful she was cooperative. Because the next 30-minute round, I was still hurting because of my position. But mentally, I did just fine. Why? Because I heard a voice outside of me saying, you're okay. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. I want you to hear the voice of the Lord saying to you, first assembly of God, you're going to make it. You're going to come through this thing and your best days are ahead. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this truth out of Haggai. Thank you for the fact that the Israelites obeyed and finished the temple. They actually finished what they started. And Lord, I thank you that you have called First Assembly to the same level of obedience. And I pray that every man and woman in this place, however young or however old, whatever their economic standing, that they will hear a voice from outside of themselves saying, you're going to do well. You're going to get it done. I am with you. In Jesus' name last thing we'll do, Pastor Mike and Jody and Rachel, if you're available, hon, would you guys come stand right here and face me? Our deacons and spouses, would you come and stand a few feet behind them and face me as well? We're going to pray over your pastor and his wife and their daughter Rachel and over one another. We're going to commit ourselves to the Great Commission. We're going to commit ourselves to finishing what we started. So again, just come be where at the distances you feel comfortable with, and uh, but you get to stand here in solidarity, even though we can't uh, do like we Pentecostals love to do, which is hug it out and and uh, lay hands on. We're going to be fine. Pastor Mike and Jody, is it your earnest intention to seek Jesus personally and lead this church to seek Him as well? Is Is it your promise to declare the kingdom's gospel by Holy Spirit Spirit empowerment? Is it your determined purpose to provide Spirit-filled leadership to this congregation so that together you may finish what earlier generations started by reaching out to people in this region and around the world? If so, please say, it is. Now I'd like you and Jody to repeat after me. Today, we promise the Lord, this board and congregation, that we will prioritize the kingdom of God. We will listen to the voice of Jesus. We further promise to guard and fulfill God's purposes for this church and community. We promise to model what it means to finish what earlier generations started by strategically reaching out to spiritually lost people and their families. We promise to equip believers to do the same thing as we preach this full gospel. In Topeka and around the world. We make these promises in Jesus' name. Amen. And now support team, deacons and spouses, is it your earnest intention to follow and support your pastors as they follow Jesus? If that is your earnest intention, please say a good hearty, it is. And now I want the deacons and spouses to repeat after me. Today we promise the Lord. We promise our pastor and this congregation that we will do our best to finish what earlier generations started. We will cultivate an outward focus and we will reach our friends our relatives, our associates, and our neighbors with this full gospel. We further promise to seek Jesus with our pastors and to follow God's strategic plan by walking in faith and working in biblical agreement. In Jesus' name, we consecrate ourselves to these promises. Amen. Congregation, would you please stand? Is it your earnest intention to follow your pastors as they follow Christ? Is it your intention to receive the godly instruction and teaching and authority to reach your friends and relatives, your associates and neighbors with this gospel, if that is your earnest intention, please say it is. is. And now would you repeat after me, we promise the Lord and our pastor pastor. to walk in unity, love and faith. We We promise to seek Jesus' presence and work to finish finish. what earlier generations started. We promise to fulfill the Great Commission of Jesus in this county and beyond. In Jesus' name, we consecrate ourselves to these promises. Amen. It's my joy to affirm Pastor Mike and Jody in this role as pastors of Topeka First Assembly of God. Pastor, you've got a rich history you guys world missionaries, U.S. missionaries, pastors, planters, associate here, and not one of those things is enough to lead to where you need to go. But you have what you need and that you're going to seek the face of Jesus. And you have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Now those experiences aren't going to hurt you a bit, but the voice of Jesus today, tomorrow... It's going to guide you, and you are here as a solution to this church blossoming into more than it's ever been in all of its years of existence. That's not pressure on you, because you couldn't do it in the first place. Neither could I. Not one pastor this church has ever had. The ones who were the brightest stars and the ones who weren't. Not one of them could do it. They had to tell everybody, but they had to lean on Jesus. How many of you know your pastor's going to lean on Jesus? Amen. Amen. Would you stretch your hands toward them? Father, I thank you for Pastor Mike and Pastor Jody. Thank you, Lord, for their daughter. Thank you for calling them to Topeka. And while they've been here for a few years and on this team, now, Lord, you've asked them to step up in the front row. And, Lord, I praise you for that. And I pray that the Holy Spirit, will empower them, give them everything they need, not only for life and godliness, but everything they need to be a family that's healthy at home and a family that's healthy in public. Lord, that you would give special grace to Pastor Mike as he leads this team of deacons and spouses. Lord, I pray that they together will meld into one mind, one unified team that understands that there's a great task ahead and that by the grace of God and the strength of heaven's armies that they will finish what their forefathers and mothers started. Bless them with unity. Bless Pastor and Jody and this team and this congregation with unity. Lord, no matter what else happens, I pray they would be unified under the direction of Jesus and that, Lord, when they're doing community outreach or they're doing doing prayer and fasting times, big and small situations that they will walk aware of the voice of Jesus and that they will walk full of faith, grace, and truth, and that this church, this location will become a shining light beyond what it was in the early 2000's beyond what it was in the 90's and the 80's and the 70's and the 60's in whatever people thought of as its greatest heyday I pray that this location the homes that make it up and the people who gather here that this will become a place of hope and life and joy filled with older people and filled with young families, filled with teenagers who are hearing the call of God, filled up nurseries of babies and toddlers, Lord Jesus, filled with homes that once were destroyed by sin but have been healed by the power of God, that we will live making sure our friends are saved really saved, water baptized, spirit baptized, walking in the presence of Jesus, being used of you for your gifts. So, Lord, bless and strengthen Pastor Mike and Jody in this church, and we install them and declare hope and life over them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, just before Pastor comes and closes, uh, we've got a small gift. On top, we didn't know what color you liked. We thought maybe you liked green the best, Rachel. And so there's a little bit of green. Little is the operative word. Here is a gift that my wife wanted you to have, Jody. Um, It's a fragrance. We believe what little we know of you and what we've watched, even being up here this morning. You display The fragrance of the presence of Jesus. So when you use this, know that my wife was thinking of how you display the fragrance of Jesus. And whatever else you do here, I mean, you know, if there's 100 people, there's 175 opinions of what the pastor's wife does. Just be the fragrance of Jesus. It's what he's called you to first, and you know that. But we just affirm you that the fragrance of Jesus is sweet on your life. And Pastor Mike, there's a journal here. The only writing in it is mine at the beginning. And um, we're praying that you can use this to jot down stories of people being saved and water baptized. But I made my note to say, I pray that you will list names of some of these dear folks that are here today. Some of them probably have been thinking, They'll just hold on till Jesus comes or until they die. We've got our burial plans paid up. And we're just, we'll just hold on. I'm praying you'll be able to write their names down and say, so-and-so brought their friend to Jesus. They brought their grandson and his friend. And that grandson got saved today. Because these people who God gave you to start this journey, they may not finish it with you. But they're going to be a big part of it. And so we pray that this journal will be a blessing and you can capture those thoughts. And then on those rare, discouraging days, you can thumb back through those pages and say, oh, thank you for what you're doing, Lord. God bless you. Welcome Pastor Mike as he comes. Give him a good hand and he will wrap up the service today. You may be seated.
1: Well, I am humbled, and I feel very blessed uh, to be able to be called your pastor and to be able to serve with you in the kingdom of God, and that we can move in the direction that the Lord has us to go as His people. And I am grateful that He has offered to me salvation, and I know that you are grateful that He has offered to you the same as well. And uh, would you just stand with me this morning? We want to uh, pray. We want to be able to take this uh, opportunity to thank him uh, because he is good. And we are going to serve together. And We have some days where Pastor Michael's going to come and lead us in a final song. But we, we know that the Lord has some things in advance and ahead of us that he is going to perform and he is going to do. And we have to yield ourselves to him so that he can finish those in us, through us, and for his glory. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you this day. We thank you because you have been faithful to us. We thank you, Lord, uh, for Pastor Terry and Karen for coming and for sharing the word of God to us and the challenge. Father God, but we pray also as we join together, may we in this last moment join our hearts to worship you. Because you are the one, you are the reason why we are are here. You are the one that has saved our lives. You are the one that has given us hope. And in this last song, we sing back to you with thanksgiving. And we say, Lord, may you be glorified in us. We give You thanks, and we honor You. Accept this worship, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.